Welcome to Medical Education Trends podcast series. Here we'll have discussions and interviews about hot topics in medical education. I'm your host, Mirta Teravi, an Iranian medical doctor and a health professions education enthusiast. In this episode, I'm joined by Professor Robert Woolard. Professor Woolard completed two terms as head of the Department of Family Practice, Faculty of Medicine at the University of British Columbia. He has chaired senior committees, councils, and task forces in the areas of medical education, environmental health, and ethical relations with industry. He works extensively in the issue of the social accountability of medical schools and is currently actively involved in the development of a new national medical school founded of these principles in Nepal. Professor Willard, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's it's my pleasure to be to be part of this, and and uh, delighted uh, that the focus of interest in this particular case, uh, and I congratulate you for the whole series that you're, you're undertaking. That the uh, focus for today is is on the interplay between uh, f- uh, medical education and ecosystem health, and we can maybe delineate more exactly what that means as the uh, conversation unfolds. But uh, as we'll learn, I think uh, this is an extremely important, even if complex topic, and there's a lot happening around the world um, that uh, is uh, worthy of emulation, I guess, uh, and hopefully will be useful. Well, great. Thank you very much, Professor. So, if it is okay for you, we move on to the questions. So um, actually, it is kind of a new topic, and I really like to actually uh, think about and talk about this topic in medical education. So um, the first question actually is, is it really necessary to include such a topic like climate change issues in medical education? And if it is necessary, why we should do that? Well, I think it's necessary for several reasons that we can explore over the next uh, while. Um, Primarily, uh, the World Health Organization has indicated that approximately a quarter, if not more, of ill health and death around the world, we're talking a global scale here, is related to environmental factors uh, and issues. Uh, The Lancet Commission, uh, also taking a global view, has indicated their feeling that the uh, uh, issue of uh, global climate change is the most important health issue uh, that we have to face as humankind. And so for that puts the importance of the topic in the, in the realm. Why particularly medical education? Well, several reasons. Uh, one is that, the, that in fact the... Uh, uh, not only is it an important one, but uh, the medical industry, broadly speaking, contributes significantly to the aspect of climate change and to its um, worsening over the last century. 
and we need only look at uh, the global response to uh, the COVID epidemic to recognize the mountains of waste that have been generated. Uh, and that's just a uh, an example of uh, of what happens when uh, when medicine, as it has traditionally felt uh, enough self-importance that we've not given much due consideration to the waste we're generating and in the issue of climate change, uh, the carbon footprint that is established because uh, we're doing all this wonderful work and therefore we shouldn't be too constrained in how we do it. Increasingly over the last decade, I would say, there's become a realization that that uh, our actions as an industry, our actions as individual physicians have a substantial impact and that by modifying our own behavior, we can make a, a change. So that alone uh, makes it an important uh, thing for uh, aspiring physicians to undertake. In addition to that, um, we have to uh, uh, treat individual patients uh, and uh, as those patients come through the door, as those patients enter into the system, uh, we need to be thinking about why is this patient here ill in this way today? And more often than not, uh, the reason for them uh, having their respiratory illness, their uh, cardiovascular illness, uh, their uh, neoplastic illness uh, is related to uh, an environmental factor of some kind. And uh, there's a plaintive question that should um, plague us as, as we uh, deal with the patient, um, as we uh, make a plan with the patient, uh, as they are uh, leaving our office, our hospital, our institutions. Uh, and we need to uh, ask ourselves, what is the point of treating uh, their illness and sending them back to the conditions that caused that illness in the first place? And that needs to draw us as physicians, as punitive healers, to, uh, to, to look upstream and see what the issues are. Now, when we look upstream and see what the issues are, they're often related to social conventions, to policies, etc. And the other thing that we have to bring to the table and that we have to transmit to uh, future generations uh, of physicians is the often remarkable power that physicians have uh, to influence policy, to influence activity, not just on the basis of uh, how that individual patient may modify their existence and we may modify the, uh, the, the medical industry uh, to do that, but more particularly, how do we influence the, the, the structures that have uh, allowed uh, us to, in a sense, uh, poison ourselves because of our indifference to the ecosystem in which we're embedded. So that may sound uh, grand, but, but I hope we can uh, imagine uh, that uh, the importance of understanding and influencing uh, what's uh, causing a significant burden of illness and death uh, 
And we should also consider, and uh, in an interesting way, COVID has, has amplified this, we should consider that the single biggest influence on population health anywhere in the world is inequity. Uh, that you can have a nation, a province, an area uh, that may be in relative terms, if we just measure such crude things as uh, gross domestic product, uh, in, in, even in those crude terms, the health of the population will not be uh, determined by what that average is. It will be determined by what gradient there is within that society. How well is that distributed? So, for example, the two southern states of India, Tamil Nadu, uh, on the east and uh, Kerala on the west uh, uh, have a difference in life expectancy of 13 years, even though Tamil Nadu is a wealthier province. And I always think of that as a kind of uh, example for us to draw our, our, our attention. Well, inequities don't just happen naturally. They don't just happen uh, by inadvertence. Uh, they happen because of the way those policies are structured. And so the, as, uh, as a young student enters the possibility of uh, becoming a physician, the values and responsibilities that they will gradually assume need to include this broad uh, opportunity. And just as with clinical medicine, uh, they need to learn the, the, and gain the knowledge, the skills, and the attitudes that will allow them to be not only effective physicians, but effective citizens, uh, and not only citizens of their local area, although that is imperative, but also reflecting on their responsibilities as global citizens. And that can seem like a huge burden on everybody's shoulders. But increasingly, we're recognizing what can be done when we act collaboratively, when physicians show leadership uh, in moving forward in that regard. So that's a, a long and perhaps winding answer to your question. But I think your question is a very important one. Why should we even bother? Uh, and uh, I think we should bother because it's important. And we should bother because there's something we can do about it. And after all, maybe that's what human beings are for. Maybe that's what physicians are for. Well, great. Thank you very much. Um, actually, you've mentioned a really interesting point in your um, answers that I like to come back to them in, at, at the end of the uh, actually um, my questions. But um, you've mentioned a really good point at, at the end that why should we bother to learn about that? So, uh, for example, uh, talking about health professions as stu students, uh, they have a lot of duties, they have a lot of clinical duties. So how can we convince and how can we talk with uh, this kind of a new generation of health professional students to actually learn about this topic? I think we first of all have to uh, generate uh, our actually just respond to the excitement of a young learner who whatever their vision of what the physician uh, ultimately is, what a kind of a physician they're going to be, they inherently are going to want to do their best. They're going to want to do their best. And initially, 
uh, it was natural, and, and this is true of, of all of us, uh, the immediacy of seeing a patient, of diagnosing, of intervening, of seeing them get better, of in the you know in, in, in the most dramatic sense saving their life. That's that's a very uh, attractive. Uh, um, vision of, uh, of of what the work is about. And that's why I think there's so much insight in your question, because that, that can really concentrate our minds. Uh, and initially, as we move forward to understand, oh, okay, this is a patient with diabetes and hypertension. Uh, I need to know this, that, and the other thing about them. Um, that can totally... Uh, embrace all of our, our vision and certainly can as a, as a neophyte uh, explorer of, of, the, of the health of, of individuals. But by understanding ecosystem health, by evolving over the course of education, a systems view, a constructive systems view of not only how is the pancreas functioning, but how is this patient functioning in their family? How is that this patient functioning in the society in spite of having diabetes, in spite of having hypertension? And how can we help them not do that just in, in terms of in spite of their disease, but to uh, work with them to, to modify it? Now, that becomes, and I think probably resonates uh, with the... Uh, with the early learner uh, as something that's that's worth aspiring to. And I think medical education itself has grown up over the last three decades, I would say, from being rote memory, saying you need this discrete piece of uh, knowledge to treat this disease. Uh, and if the patient has this other thing, then we have to link those together. Um, but, uh, if we uh, can, and I think we can, and medical education is moving more towards uh, a greater, deeper understanding, not, if you will, not just the identified information that we can put on the algorithm and then carry on from there, either as a, as a learner or as a physician. Instead of that, we want to know, okay, how does that information fit into our knowledge, our knowledge about diabetes, say, in this case. And then the important link, and, and the link where I have observed over my many years uh, in medical education, the fire really lights up uh, in the student's eyes when we can call upon the wisdom. So not just the information, not just the knowledge, but the wisdom of how you apply that knowledge how you bring that knowledge to bear in your work uh, to ensure, number one, that you're providing the best care you possibly can. Number two, uh, that you know when uh, you and the patient uh, or you and the healthcare system are deviating in the wrong way as opposed to coming. And that's where knowledge, skills, and attitude uh, of uh, environmental, if you will, ecosystem uh, matters is applicable, as I say, all the way from the, uh, the cells of the pancreas uh, to the entire global health 
uh, of the planet, how they come together. And I think, let's just take uh, a wealthy place uh, like British Columbia, where I work at the, at the University of British Columbia. British Columbia over the last uh, year has suffered devastating fires, uh, forest fires that have destroyed whole villages. Um, and then within four months, devastating floods, uh, aggravated greatly by human activity, i.e. by cutting down the forests and uh, allowing uh, rainfall of record nature due to climate change, but record impact because of what we've done as a species in reducing the um, the planets, and, and in this case, our provincial, and in this case, our village, ability to respond to these challenges in, uh, in, um, in climate change, it then becomes, I think, apparent. Um, and in my experience, exciting to uh, the, uh, the student to learn how all these things fit together. What's the application of systems thinking, uh, not only to the individual patient, not only to the community, but to the broad society, uh, and more particularly beyond that, to the ecosystem in which that society is embedded? Now, that can be overwhelming. And, and I think, again, I, I congratulate you for an insightful question, because it isn't necessarily really obvious that this isn't just overwhelming, and we should just... Let's just go and figure out what pill this patient needs now, uh, because we want to get that right. But uh, I think young people uh, that I see are uh, in the curricula that that is more sophisticated and isn't just a, a rote memory uh, curriculum uh, that uh, automatically engages students. And we've worked around the world. Uh, with uh, with that observation in mind, and seen remarkable things. Uh, you know, one of the many joys of my career is a couple of years ago um, we worked with educators and students, and I want to emphasize the importance of that symbiotic uh, and, in the best of all worlds, synergistic relationship. Uh, in uh, approaching these complex issues, because uh, my observation would be that students are very frequently at all levels uh, the agents for change. We just need to look uh, around ourselves at various revolutions that have taken place and the role of youth in saying we need to build a different world. But in particular in medical education and the changes in medical education. Uh, and we've uh, written about this. Uh, and as I say, as I was describing the evolution of how we actually do that uh, was undertaken and, and published in Medical Teacher uh, last year uh, is um, where students and uh, educators worked together to delineate uh, what uh, does it look like? What is a, a sustainable uh, health education? What does it actually 
look like, not just as an aspiration, not just as a, we should do this, but how do we do it? Um, that's a complex uh, undertaking, uh, but the engagement of, uh, of students in uh, developing and redeveloping curriculum the engagements of students, particularly as uh, health uh, professional uh, institutions around the world have become more community engaged. And it's very often the student in a distributed education model that's most intimately connected with the, uh, with the community. And in the best of all worlds has the best ear for hearing the community voice and engaging the community voice. So that becomes a, a, an opportunity for the, the connection between the community and the ecosystem, broadly speaking, and the school itself. And so being able to uh, construct our uh, educational institutions in a way that there is that interplay um, will allow not only the engagement of students, but the influence of students on the curriculum. And that's well outlined uh, in our paper. Uh, and uh, uh, there's a, a paper within the special issue of um, a medical teacher as well that outlines the, the role of leadership and different forms of knowledge uh, in influencing. I hope this is not being too discursive or aspirational it's not it's not it's not wishful is the kind of thing that's happening and one of the exciting things about today's world and again we can uh, look to some extent for good or for ill at the impact of covid which is a nice metaphor for the impact of climate change um, and the way in which humankind must work together must not can, should, but must uh, work together to um, address a common threat. And uh, we can be depressed and overwhelmed, uh, but at the same time, uh, if we have even a glimmer of hope, and students routinely bring more than a glimmer of hope uh, into the puzzle, uh, we then start to see opportunities to make a difference. And so, um, in fact, the, uh, the student is not only a vessel in which um, uh, we pour things, information mostly, uh, or knowledge, uh, and try and generate wisdom, as I alluded to earlier. Um, you know, Yeats, the, the Irish poet, wonderfully said, education is not about filling a bucket. It's about lighting a fire. Uh, and it's that passion to make a difference in the world that's going to make a student uh, apply to medical school to begin with. So uh, the, the attitude is there if we just don't squish it uh, in the way in which we organize our curriculum. And I, I, rather than go on, I, I would just you know refer to the, the paper I alluded to in Medical Teacher, the papers, uh, which attempt to delineate quite specifically. And what they reflect, and the, the consensus paper reflects, is students from around the world. Uh, um, the professoriate 
from around the world, institutions from around the world working together to delineate how best to do this. Uh, and um, maybe I've said enough. Uh, I'm more than happy to expand on any aspect of that that's helpful. Oh, okay. Now, that was really great. So I actually got my answer, but, and thank you very much for that. So, but uh, when you actually talk about actually having this um, knowledge and attitude in medical students and health professional students, um, actually, um, am I correct that we need some kind of a curricular change in medical education and health professional education? So if we need such a change in, in the curriculum, and what are the roles of uh, administrators or institutions in implementing such a change? Yes, I mean, you know, there's such a rich variety uh, and diversity around the world in terms of the medical education that it's a little bit presumptuous for me to sit and say curriculum has to change. There are examples from around the world which we delineated where institutions and paradoxically, it might seem, it's often those in lower income countries that are most adept at, this, at uh, developing their curriculum uh, in a way in which is not only socially accountable, but is also uh, sensitive to ecosystems. And those generally are institutions uh, that are well-connected with um, their communities so that the educational process uh, goes uh, beyond the institution uh, uh, into society. Uh, and the, the curriculum has substantial elements uh, of, uh, of community presence, community engagement. Uh, you know, for example, Patton Academy uh, in uh, Nepal, uh, the, the students link up with uh, families that suffering uh, various chronic illnesses, and over the course of their four years, uh, we'll follow these families, we'll visit them in the homes, etc. That's just an example of some of the curriculum innovations that uh, see, appear to be effective uh, in in establishing this. So. The other aspect uh, that's important, um, you know, <laughs> partly because of the self-importance that physicians often bring to these things, uh, is the importance of interprofessional collaborative work. So not only working with patients and communities, but working with other sister professions uh, and recognizing that uh, uh, and demonstrating within the curriculum uh, that we can't do it alone, uh, that we certainly bring uh, valuable things. Uh, and as a student, we need to learn those valuable things that we bring to the puzzle. But we also need to be learning together with those other health professionals uh, that are absolutely essential to uh, actually having an impact. So, uh, you know, the, the curriculum uh, can be completely um, full of uh, physiology, anatomy, biochemistry, uh, pathology, disease uh, processes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and can seem overwhelming. Um, but if, in fact, those aspects of basic science uh, that are essential 
to bring science to the question. Not just, not just that we mean well, but we do well, and we know that we do well. Then uh, we, uh, you know, we can build that into this, like as I was mentioning earlier, this systems view, so that uh, you know, too often curricula have been uh, taken off into little bits of of process like this. And education has been assessing little bits of process like this, little bits of knowledge like this, but they need to integrate and we need to provide the opportunities for that information, for that knowledge to be integrated into the human condition. And that uh, will depend on uh, the um, on the culture in which it's embedded. Um, you know, take for example, uh, in Iran, you have this uh, incredible history uh, of Zina and and the, the whole development of modern concepts of disease that arose from from Persian culture. You know, and that you know, can create a, a, a culture in which uh, this kind of exploration um, is, uh, is, is part of it. And, and I apologize that I don't, um, I've never been to Iran, but my uh, long relationships with Persian friends and so on, for example, uh, uh, understand the way in which poetry in which literature, in which storytelling is embedded in the streets of Tehran. Well, if that's the case, then the curriculum in such a setting may be different than it would be uh, in, um, say, British Columbia, where we have sadly systematically emphasized sciences as an entry into, uh, into medicine and sadly neglected the humanities and the arts. As, as part of it. So um, uh, thank you for <laughs> letting me uh, wander perhaps too much. But yes, there needs to be uh, a ongoing curricular growth, if you will, uh, curricular adaptation to the issues that we have. And to be an optimist, one can say that the challenges of climate change, the, the, the palpable um, daily experience of some of the impacts of, of climate change uh, can actually uh, inspire us to recognize a couple of things. One, we need each other. Two, we need to all commit to and adapt this as individuals. But also three, we need to together learn, together research, together apply, and together advocate for policy changes. So it goes beyond curriculum change uh, and growth uh, to the way in which the school exists uh, and in racist society. And you know, the World Health Organization, in its, uh, I think, wisdom, has developed the idea of the partnership pentagram, where 
the academy, broadly speaking, that's the, what we're talking about here, the community and the connection there, which is uh, which we've talked about as, as being essential, the profession, that is those in the community that are not only practicing but teaching back to, uh, to here, the health managers that increasingly are challenged with, uh, with making things work at a time when resources are sucked immediately into, for example, respond to, responding to COVID. Um, and, uh, and finally, and, and equally importantly, I never say most importantly for any of these five, the policymakers that set the policy framework uh, in, which, in which we act. Uh, and it's been my experience around the world that if a school, uh, if an institution attends to those five partners simultaneously, they're more likely to have an influence on the society of what they're doing. And if the students can have that vision of how the system can influence it, then it moves forward. Um, you know, because too often in too many nations around the world, when these five partners don't get together, we simply say, well, you know, the, uh, the academy is, a, is, is an ivory tower. It's not particularly relevant. I don't quite see how that fits. And I learned most of my medicine after I got out of medical school rather than when I was in medical school. So um, they uh, can say, well, the community is just too demanding. They just don't understand. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources to do that. So that's the excuse why we can't really make effective change. The profession is greedy. Uh, it's wealthy and, and, and yet is not necessarily sharing or respecting other professions. So they're not contributing to change. That the, the people who are attempting to management are often dismissed as uh, simply uh, bureaucrats uh, instead of what they are, which are public servants. Uh, there are people that are trying to make the system work uh, or the policymakers uh, and, and in so many countries and around the world, in so many languages, there's this concept, which I see as, as, a, as a, uh, an unhelpful excuse, of a lack of political will, a lack of political will, which is basically putting the blame out there and say, well, yeah, you know, we're not doing as well as we could, but it's the politician's fault. And so what I've found, if we get all five of those perspectives, not necessarily representatives, but perspectives in the room together, with the common purpose of having and contributing to healthier people in a healthier ecosystem, that's when change takes place. So, again, a discursive answer. And I, I, I you know, I have a certain measure. I, I apologize for that. But the other time I'm trying to demonstrate is that if you keep the system view while you deal with the particular issues and make those connections, and young people nowadays can certainly do that. Um, then we get somewhere. Well, thank you, Professor. That was really great answer. I really learned a lot about that. So you've mentioned a, a really interesting points, just like the pentagram that you've mentioned. And uh, the other interesting point uh, to me was uh, the fact that we need actually to work more on the interprofessional collaborations and, that, and that's really necessary for this kind of change. So, um, and, and thank you again for your kind words about Iran. I hope one day we can host you 
year and that is that will really be our honor so uh, i want to just ask you one other question and that is my last question um we've talked about the necessity of learning about climate change and their perspectives so what are the practical tips for medical students for general practitioners for graduates and uh, especially for uh, all of the people interested in this topic for example uh, do we have some sort of um, organization specifically for physicians that they can join uh, or do we have any groups of people of uh, physicians or health professionals that work on climate change and do we have some sort of things that our students and our enthusiasts can join for them the answer is yes around the world and around the world the opportunities are often somewhat different uh, and uh, often uh, um, situational uh, so you know we are sometimes uh, focus on um, the disastrous consequences in our case fires and then floods uh, and the response to that and it uh, and, and and COVID as an example um, what has been remarkable uh, not surprising to someone as old as I am, having observed it for a time, is the way in which students have embraced the responsibility to get into the community, to help work with the community, to uh, listen to and, and, and uh, carry the message uh, back to the mothership uh, about uh, the uh, folks out there. So you're asking about practical connections that can be made. And you know, one of the responsibilities, I suppose I would say, that rests with the students and the, the curriculum needs to enable this is to be able to scan and say, what are the opportunities? I mean, obviously, you can look in the mirror and say the way in which I am in the world, the carbon footprint that I as an individual bear, uh, I need to address that. And that's very true. Um, but you also uh, can see that um, you will be enabled to do that better uh, when you're connected with the community, when you're connected with uh, opportunities that are out there to influence policy, to influence the management of the system, to influence the way in which it's practiced. Just take the average operating room in response to COVID and the huge bundle of disposable items, for example, uh, that are contributing greatly to not only carbon footprint and change, but local pollution. Uh, and I often say to students, and I learned this as a young physician many, many years ago, um, the students carry into their, into their work at every level, including the learning situation, the formal learning situation, one of the most powerful tools for positive change, tools for response. And that's the simple question, why? Uh, I had students, uh, both undergraduate and postgraduate in my practice. Uh, for, for 20 years, I was in a, a relatively remote area, a little 10-bed hospital up in the North Thompson Valley in British Columbia. And when the students came and say, well, why are you doing that, Dr. Mullig? And I would say, well, well, you know, this is because the science says, et cetera. And then I'd go home at night and I'd say, well, 
was that really why I'm doing that? Should I really be doing that? Uh, and having a discussion with the, with the student and interacting uh, more as learning equals, uh, it modified my behavior. It modified my perspective on, uh, on some of the things I just took for granted that were good that I'm doing. And I slept at night knowing, wow, I had a good day. Well, maybe well, it was a good day as I thought. And having the student there asking the question why helped me, I think, immeasurably to be a better physician. So there's those kind of individual connections that, such as that. But there's also uh, many student organizations uh, up to and including uh, the uh, International Federation of Medical Students Associations. So just on the simple issue of, not simple issue, but the issue of social accountability, IFSMA has published a, a remarkable document, a remarkable tool for advocacy for students to influence their um, medical school towards uh, a more socially accountable one. Uh, the Network Towards Unity for Health, the student organization of that, the student uh, network organization, has had a huge impact uh, of bringing students together. And we're fortunate to be uh, hosting the, uh, the annual meeting of Toward Unity for Health here in Vancouver next next August, uh, and I was just yesterday working with the students uh, in terms of their um, influence on that conference, influence on what's discussed and how it's discussed, uh, and and the knowledge that that's happened. So, at almost every turn, there's something that can be done. There are potential organizations that are either arising spontaneously because of a climate disaster, or perhaps uh, looking in a more broad systemic way, and very often through those organizations, having an influence on the policy at every level, you know, from the local urban area to the, uh, to the state, to uh, the nation, to uh, international. So, as students go through their growth and development, there will be opportunities of connecting with or creating organizations that are going to have an impact at those various levels. And one of the joys to me of teaching and, and learning ecosystem health is uh, the recognition that it gives you a lens. It gives you an opportunity to search for those things that you, at that stage of your, of your development, can see. That's going to have an impact. The poor people that are on the street because of the fires, um, we can organize to ensure that there's food security there. We can organize to ensure that there's... Uh, that, that adaptation uh, allows uh, them to not feel hopeless. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, the, the broader national and international organizations that, uh, that are always there. Yeah, that was really fantastic. And I, I really learned so much more from what I actually have thought. 
that I could get from this uh, discussion. And thank you very much, Professor. I really enjoyed uh, and learned so much from you talking to you. And I'm sure that our audience will love this discussion. So if you have any last words for our audience, you would be glad to hear that. Well, I think uh, uh, I, I sometimes uh, in, in this sort of situation appeal to um, uh, or refer to Scott Fitzgerald's wonderful quote. Uh, you know, when we're in a learning situation, when we're, we're trying to learn uh, very often when we're students in medical school or elsewhere, we have this imposter syndrome that mm, they're going to find out they shouldn't have let me into medicine, uh, you know, uh, and, and the pressures that are associated with that. Uh, I like people to think of his definition where he said this, he said, the mark of a truly first-class mind is the ability to hold simultaneously two contradictory ideas and still function. For example, I may think a situation is hopeless and yet work to make it otherwise. And in the face of climate change, it can look hopeless. Uh, and my appeal to be recognized you do have a first-class mind. The admissions committee didn't make a mistake when you got into medical school. So work to make it different. Mm -hmm.